May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Remember when you were a small child and had to have your hair washed? You know, when I was little, I hated to get my hair washed. I knew that the soap would burn my eyes and it would be an unpleasant and even painful experience. I hated to get my hair washed, but I stoically accepted it just as we adults accept death and taxes. And then one day, one day my mother discovered something called No More Tears. Now, as many of you know, No More Tears is a much gentler shampoo with less irritating ingredients. The shampoo is specifically designed with babies in mind. You know, tears are an interesting phenomenon. Tears are actually a release mechanism designed to provide you with an emotional release. Scientific studies indicate that crying is actually good for you. It apparently dispels biochemicals from your body that would otherwise be toxic in your system. It also releases a natural tranquilizer. That's why you often feel so very tired after crying. Crying actually relaxes you. It actually relaxes you. Now, that's, it's, it's good to keep in mind, though, that as good as crying is for us, the circumstances and events that usually trigger it are not. Tears often signify tragedy and suffering, as well they should. We tend to think of tears as something to be avoided. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful... If we lived in a world where crying, at least crying because of tragedy, was no longer necessary, wouldn't it be fantastic if there was no more tragedy and suffering? Well, I'd like us to look at tears this morning, and I'd like to make three brief points about tears based on our two texts. So if you'd like to follow along, there's a sermon outline, as usual, printed in your bulletin for your convenience, or if you prefer, you can follow along with a PowerPoint presentation. So, let's begin with the first point. First of all, we all shed tears. First of all, we all shed tears. No matter who we are, all of us have shed tears from time to time. Now, some of us may be more private than others and choose not to let other people see us cry, but we all shed tears. The family and friends of Lori Michelle Dilbeck, Lori Michelle Dilbeck, expected to be shedding tears of happiness at her wedding. Lori had everything going for her. She was an honor student and had just graduated from UTA. She worked as an assistant at an Arlington veterinary clinic and was offered a partnership if she would become a veterinarian. But Lori wanted to become a nurse. So she turned down the opportunity. And you know, she planned on becoming a nurse and was preparing for the wedding that would unite her with her fiancé, Joel Martin. But none of that was to happen. You see, as Lori Dilbeck drove her car down a Mesquite Highway to pick up her wedding portrait, she was hit head-on by a drunk driver. She would never marry. 
Instead of celebrating at her wedding, her family and friends mourned at her funeral. We all shed tears from time to time. Because we will all, all of us will face tragedy and sorrow sometime in our lives. That is just a given. I don't care who you are. I don't care how wealthy you may be, how prominent or important your family may be, how well educated or smart you may be. You will experience tragedy and suffering at some time in your life. That's why we all shed tears. But we don't suffer alone. We don't suffer alone. And that brings us to the second point I want to make about tears. Second, God knows something about tears. Second, God knows something about tears. After all, Jesus shed a few. Jump back 2,000 years. Jesus' close friend, Lazarus, has died. Now, the Gospel of John tells us specifically that Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters, Martha and Mary. The Greek word that's used here indicates that they were close friends. Now, they'd probably shared many meals together and discussed many different things with one another, as friends generally do. But now, Jesus' close friend was dead. So, Jesus went to pay his respects to Lazarus' family in Bethany. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice that Jesus was late for his friend's funeral. Now, he wasn't just a few minutes late or even a few hours late. He was a few days late. And Mary and Martha are upset that Jesus wasn't present at the funeral. Perhaps he could have healed their brother and prevented his death from happening in the first place. But he didn't. You know, this is undoubtedly why Martha and Mary were so upset with Jesus. Why hadn't he arrived? Why didn't he come to the funeral? He could have prevented all of this. But he didn't arrive until days later. Why? Why? Well, the Gospel of John tells us that when Jesus does finally arrive in Bethany, someone apparently recognized him and informed Martha. When Martha heard, she immediately ran out to meet Jesus. And the first words from her lips were these. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that whatever you ask of God, God will grant it. And then Jesus says to her, Martha, your brother will live again. And then Martha replies, I know that he'll live again on the day of judgment at the resurrection of us all. But then Jesus stopped her and said, I am the resurrection and I'm the life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? And then Martha makes this wonderful confession of faith. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's to come into the world. Now, after Martha makes that wonderful confession, she immediately goes and informs Mary that the Master had arrived. And Mary, too, runs out to meet Jesus. And notice, she speaks the same words that Martha had spoken. Lord, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. Lord, if you'd been here, 
our brother would not have died. Now, the gospel writer tells us that when Jesus saw Martha and Mary and all their friends weeping, that he was deeply moved and troubled in spirit. And then he asked Mary, where have you placed him? And Mary replies, come and see. Come and see. And then we come across the shortest verse in the entire Bible. John eleven thirty four. Two words. Remember those words? What are they? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. You see, Jesus is deeply troubled by tragedy. A couple of interesting Greek words in this Lazarus story are found in verse 33, where we read the Greek word embrymaomai, embrymaomai, which is a word that means to speak harshly or criticize harshly. It's a Greek verb. Now, in this context, in the middle voice, it means to be deeply moved or troubled in spirit. The other interesting Greek word used here in verse 33 is the word terasso, terasso. Another Greek word that means to trouble, to disturb, to upset, to frighten, to terrify, to stir up. To trouble, to disturb, to upset, to frighten, to terrify, to stir up. Now, what this all means is that Jesus is deeply moved and troubled by our tragedies and sorrows. Jesus weeps when we weep. He sorrows when we sorrow. When we suffer, he suffers with us. Now, that name may not turn away our tragedy or set aside our sorrows, but it does bring meaning to our suffering. We don't suffer alone. We don't grieve alone. And that brings us to the third and most important point I want to make about tears based on our two texts. Someday, there will be no more tears. Someday there will be no more tears. From time immemorial, tears have been shed over loss, tragedy, and suffering. How many oceans would those tears fill? Are we fated to always endure such tragedy? When you're standing in that cold cemetery, staring into the darkness of the ground, waiting to bury a parent your spouse, or worse yet, your child. Questions like these are inescapable. Will our existence always be a veil of tears? Are we fated to a life of suffering followed by death, only to be forgotten forever? Well, you know, that might be what despairing atheists tell us, but that's not what the scriptures teach. According to the author of the book of Revelation, a time is coming in which there will be no more death and evil, no more pain and suffering. In other words, a time in which there will be no more tears. The seer Revelation writes, he will wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. They're gone forever. You see, in Christ we have everlasting life. Do you remember what Jesus said to Martha? Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You see, death doesn't have the last word. 
It doesn't have the last word. Someday we'll reign together with Christ and we'll know no more pain and suffering, no more disease and death, no more tears. No more tears. So let me ask you, do you believe this? Do you hear Jesus' word being spoken to you today? I know we live in a frightening world. You know, when we hear journalists and politicians talking as if the end of the world is near, we know things are bad. We know things are bad. But you know what? As Christians, as Christians, we can look up because God promises us a kingdom. God promises us a kingdom in which there will be no more tears. Well, in conclusion, we all shed tears. We all shed tears. Jesus knew what it was to shed tears, but he promises us a kingdom where tears of sorrow will never be shed again. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says of the church. Amen.